Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm editor-in-chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Journey has been on screen since before she could talk. Her career spans three decades, from sitcoms to thrillers to feature films. This summer, she starred in the Netflix film Spiderhead alongside Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. In her latest film, Lou, she plays a desperate mother on the hunt to find her kidnapped daughter. We talked about her journey through Hollywood, breaking through being pigeonholed in her career, and her new film, Lou, which is out now on Netflix. Hi, Journey. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So I always start by asking this question because the show is called In Her Shoes. So I have to ask every guest um, about a literal pair of shoes that you're wearing right now or your absolute favorite pair of shoes to wear currently. Okay, I'm barefoot because I don't like people wearing shoes in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but from the time I was 17, the pair of shoes I would wear the most were these combat boots I bought from an army store in Santa Monica when I was like 17 years old. So beat up, but like my go-to shoot boots for everything, traveling, hold, you know, put some jeans on with some holes on it, you know, uh, and then I recently found a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes that are like <laughs> really a, leveled it. <laughs> a version of these army boots that I'm obsessed with. So those are now, they have now replaced <laughs> my $20 pair of, <laughs> of boots. I love that. And what would you say it's like at this current moment to be in your shoes and this moment in life? And what is what is that walk been right now? Um, my path has been beautiful, rocky, twisted. We've had some detours that we didn't know were going to (laughs) happen. You know, it's, what's the saying? You make, you make plans and God laughs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm enjoying, enjoying the scenery. I gotta say, you know, it's a hike. 
Um, but my calves are strong. You know, we, we stay doing leg day <laughs> to be able to uh, make it up the hills and endure the rough terrain. But I, I'm enjoying the scenery, I got to say. No, that's amazing. Um, obviously, you've been, you know, in Hollywood for a very long time. At this point, where you are in everything, how do you decide what roles you want to take or what you want to spend your time on and, and how you really want to move forward with everything? Honestly, it's really about instinct. I am in such a space right now where, yes, I have done it for my entire life, literally. I've been in front of cameras since I was 10 months old. Yeah. But I'm in a space where it feels, I honestly feel like I've only just begun. I've only scratched the surface, which is the oddest thing to get folks to understand. And it's not really for them to understand, I guess. But I think I'm hungrier than I've ever been. Um, I'm hungry to grow. I'm hungry to work with filmmakers that inspire me and challenge me. Um, and I think I'm also becoming more and more in touch with what's not for me and making peace with that too. Um, That's heavy, yeah. But I think I'm in that space in general in my life, uh, not just with my career, um, but in all spaces, I'm understanding that if something is not helpful, productive, or nurturing, you have to let it go. Right. Um, and so how do I take on characters? You know, I think I want, I'm hungry for stuff that I haven't done yet. Um, I'm very hungry to explore just the different sides of who we are um, within our womanhood, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm just seeking the challenge. That's it. It's essentially that. I love that, though, seeking the challenge. I should write that on my mantra mood board that I have at home. I will. Oh, I love that. Um, but I do want to actually talk about something you have done because Eve's Bayou turns 25 this year. Obviously, mm -hmm. such an incredible film um, and instant classic. I believe you were 11 at the time. Um, ten. The 10. Wow. What do you remember about filming that? And is it is it weird to, to look back on that film and obviously just such a big cultural presence that it's had? I wouldn't say it's weird to look back. I don't often look back until someone asks me <laughs> to look back. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that, uh, yeah, tri the Tribeca Film Festival had like a reunion with mm. myself and Casey Lemons and, and Megan and Lynn. And one of the things Megan and I um, were talking about working with Casey at such a young age and having the image of a black woman at the helm of this story, um, I don't think we realized at the time how radical that was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think one of the biggest blessings that I gained from that experience is that image of having a black female filmmaker and that being normalized for me. It made me hold the industry to a standard subconsciously because while it took a long time for me to then work <laughs> with another black female filmmaker, unfortunately, it was always in my head of like, well, that's what is my norm. You right. know, that's my default. I think in general, that film, working with Samuel Jackson 
Casey, Lynn, Diane Carroll, you know, Debbie Morgan, all these legends, I learned so much about the craft at 10 years old. And I don't know that I would still be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't done that film, because I I do believe that that's when I fell in love with the craft. Um, That's when I fell in love with the process of stepping into a character, losing yourself into a character. Um, You know, I think it was the first time I learned the art of thinking like the character, Mm -hmm. um, thinking the thoughts of the character. So, yeah, I think that film, Casey and Sam, you know, especially, their handprint is all on my instrument. And what would you, I mean, since you were, you said you were 10 years old and that's so young, when did you feel like, that actually set into your mind, okay, I have a, I have a different standard of what I want to do as you got older. Like when did, when did you feel like it resonated to you of how big of a moment that really was and the kind of roles that you really wanted to go after then in the future because of that? I don't know that I realized necessarily how big or small it was. It's more so that it just put me in touch with a deeper level of what we were capable of as instruments, as artists, right? Right. Um, and so it just made me hungry to constantly try to achieve that or experience that high that you experience as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have to give my mom credit. My mom r- really made me study the, the craft and study the greats um, and kind of held me to a standard. You know, yeah. she had me reading the autobiography of Katherine Hepburn when I was 13 years old. Um, you know, I was studying the Sidney Poitiers, the Spencer Tracys, the right. the Gene Kellys, you know, like I, I probably have seen more classic films than I've seen current films. Um, and that I have to give my mom credit. She was a bit of a, a cinephile, a bit of a snob in that sense. <laughs> and so she instilled in me a level of taste. That's really what it is. It's, it's. Right. It's not that I realized, oh, this is a moment that I have to live up to. It was more so she helped me cultivate a taste. Mm-hmm. And so while I haven't always hit the mark, I'm not going to lie, you know, uh, it's always been my goal. I always go into a project with the, the desire to just tell the truth. Because these films that I grew up watching, the Paul Newmans of the world, you know, like these, the Marlon Brandos, these are actors who just try to communicate the truth. Right, right. I mean, obviously, and in, in you talking about, you know, having the right taste, but I think also, you know, the the factor of that that you can't control is obviously the industry has like moved in in its own pace. And especially as far That's as diversity, right. <laughs> that has not moved um, in, in sync, I would say, and not nearly as fast mm-hmm. as we would like. What has that been like to be pigeonholed or audition for roles that you really want, or just feel like that that needle isn't moving as much as you needed it to. Oh, I mean, here's the thing: we've we've come quite a ways. However, we've got so much more work to do. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I can remember moments in my career where I wanted to quit. You know, in my teens, my early twenties, I definitely had that moment where I. I didn't want to do it specifically because I was getting the, oh, we're not willing to go ethnic on that role or she can't audition. But maybe if the role opens up, quote unquote, what the fuck does it mean to be closed or open? 
<laughs> you know, it's like, um, and you know, it, the data supports how dismal it actually is. You know, it's pretty dismal for women of color, women of all kinds, but specifically, you know, women of color. Um, you know, Stacy Smith at USC does these incredible studies, right? In order for us to be able to just have the data and be able to look at how how sometimes dismal it can be in the industry. And there's a study she did recently where across the 1500 top grossing films from 2007 to 2021, 3.4% of the leads were black girls or women. Mm. 3.4%. Over 1500 films. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> you Very know. small number. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. You know, so there's still quite a, quite a lot of work we have to do. And I try not to get too caught up in that. Um, I try to just keep my head down and do the work. How do you balance that though? How do you, you know, perfect your craft and just work on being a creative in the art, but then also deal with the challenges and the realities of the industry. You have to surround yourself with a great team. You have to, you know, for me, I'm no longer in a space where even I think within the past year and a half, I've shifted drastically um, within my mentality about the industry, wanting to mount films and wanting to um, put films together really has become my, my focus right now. Not waiting for a seat at the motherfucking table. You know, right. um, my mother always <laughs> would say, you got to build your own table, you know? And so um, that's literally the mind space I'm in right now where it's like, I don't really need approval to create my art. I can actually seek out the writer that I'm, a fan of. I can seek out the filmmaker that I'm a fan of. I can put these things together mm -hmm. and find myself being in that space more than ever. Um, you know, the first film I was actually a part of the producing team was Lou. And J.J. Abrams and his whole Bad Robot team, you know, brought Allison and, and I on as producers. And honestly, I learned so much from him. Um, and felt so inspired after that to just not wait, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, yeah, you know, that's the space I'm in is there's so many filmmakers, there's so many content creators, there's so many folks who inspire me. Um, and I think the more of us, you know, the more that we continue to try to usher stories forward um, for us by us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think, that's how you change the data, essentially. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, 
increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. So many of your roles, though, have been, I think, very in-depth, just obviously just I'm very fascinated by how transformative it is behind the scenes to really get into character. Um, Birds of Prey, I'm thinking of, or I was a huge fan of Lovecraft Country, very sad that it's no longer on TV. Um, I know a lot of the roles have just been so hefty. What is it like when you take on a new role, even, you know, with Lou, what was it like um, to get yourself in the mind frame? How different is your life when you're you're taking on a new role? And, and what is that behind the scenes? Um, I always start with research. I always start with asking myself, um, certain questions and then trying to, by any means necessary, answer those questions. Um, who is she? What is she, what does she want? How is she going to get it? Um, what's the environment around her? Um, who's her, who's her family? Who's her mama? Who's her daddy? You know, I, I, I learned something from Denzel that I still do now. And that is um, to know every fucking thing about your character. The things that you do not see on screen, you know, you gotta know it. It doesn't really matter whether or not the audience knows it, they'll feel it. And so for instance, with Lou, I, part of my research with that was, I spent a lot of time at the Genesee Center, uh, Center for Domestic Violence Survivors here in Los Angeles, an amazing organization founded by Karen Earle. And Karen gave me so much access to her and the therapists and lawyers there, but also some of the survivors that I was able to interview. And now, you know, Hannah, my character, and Lou, having been a survivor of domestic violence, you know, the movie's not about that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a part of the of the backstory. It's a part of the right. plot. But for me, you know, it just was so important to try to get that right. Uh, even if it's one scene or two scenes or whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah, so I always start with research, with letting, you know, it's, it's, it's a period piece. So you got to research that time. You got to research that era. It's like, okay, who were the writers, the thinkers? What kind of music was around during that time? Oh, Carmen Jones had just come out. Oh, uh, Lorraine Hansberry was writing A Raisin in the Sun. Oh, okay. It's like, you know, 
this is the culture that Letty is kind of being uh, surrounded by. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she's going to have a certain bounce, a certain confidence, a certain like radical boldness. You know, my grandmother, although I never met her, she was a massive influence uh, and inspiration for me with Letty from Lovecraft Country, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm one of those actors. I'm just constantly trying to pull from everywhere, everything in order to more so give me the confidence that this is truthful. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Um, what was it like and, and what really drew you to want to do Lou specifically? And I'm assuming also because, I mean, it's a, a film that's written um, and directed by women and a plot centered around a powerful woman. What was that starting process like and for you to get involved, obviously, is producing, but also acting in it? And what was the behind the scenes of getting everything to the point where you really felt like a sense of just safety and I think just a comfortability of, of doing both types? and both, wearing both hats on the film? Um, it was actually my manager, Adam Marshall, who sent me the script because he was trying to educate me on the writer who wrote Lou, Maggie Kahn, um, who he represents. He was just sending it to me to go, hey, this is a great writer. You know, as I'm putting different projects together, I'm constantly going, okay, who writes in this genre, who's a great mm -hmm. voice in this space. And so it, he was just sending it to me to educate me on her work. And then I was like, yo, she's dope, but like the role of Hannah, like, come on, man, you know, <laughs> hi, hello. <laughs> and I had just wrapped Lovecraft Country and J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot, actually, they were producers on Lovecraft. And so um, I immediately emailed J.J. and was like, um, yeah, you know, hi, <laughs> and I throw my hat in the ring and, uh, you know, he was so amazing and gracious and was like, you know, I think you're amazing. I think you'd be, I think you'd kill it, you know, but I'm not the director. Anna's got to, you know, you've got to meet her. And so I met Anna and I was initially attached just as an actor, but after attaching as an actor, I had honestly a lot of character notes, mm -hmm. um, for the script. And it, yeah, I, I got to give JJ credit. You know, he, he wanted to empower all of us to use our voice um, by having a voice at the table, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was his team who was like, you know, they, they offered to make me uh, an executive producer on that. It was such a collaborative experience. You know, honestly, what I was so impressed by JJ and Hannah Mangella and John, who work at Bad Robot, was just how hands-on they were with every detail. Mm -hmm. I kid you not, like, if there was a scene that needed to be rewritten, I mean, JJ was giving notes the night before, you know? It's like that sort of thing. I was able to have a real collaborative experience with all the creatives, and I think that's why JJ's work is just so elevated, because he does not put his, his name on something that he is not actually involved with. He's, he's, he's in the soil with you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I learned, I learned quite a lot from him. And did you feel like there was a different um, sense on this movie set versus others? You know, obviously when you're working on a project that has a lot of women involved versus others, was there anything um, special in, in that sense of, you know, being on a project that's led by women and woman centered as well? 
I got to say, I've been very spoiled lately. Over the past, uh, the last five projects, I could be wrong, but I think over the last five projects I've done, four of them were led by women. Amazing. That's rare, um, though. <laughs> I, just, I just did a movie this year. I shot two movies back to back, both directed by women. Maggie Betts directed a movie I did this year that comes out next year with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones Ooh, called The Burial. Girl, it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> it's going to be good. Uh, it was so much fun. You know, I play, I play this litigator. Jamie Foxx um, is... You know, he's Willie Gary. Uh, he's uh, uh, it's it's based on a true story. And so but he and I are adversaries in the film. So I, I had a lot of fun being able to, you know, be his enemy. But, <laughs> you know, I've been quite spoiled lately in just working in these spaces and these environments where women are are captains of the ship. And we have these incredible men as allies, as supporters, you know, J.J. Abrams on Lou, Jamie mm -hmm. Foxx and Datari Turner on The Burial. These are the experiences that ignite my excitement about the industry and where we're going. Yeah. And you also have Black Canary coming up next year, which I'm also very excited about. If there's anything you can tell us or how you've been feeling about it or what you're excited about with it, would love to hear. Can't say a thing. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I can't even confirm or deny what you just said. <laughs> That's okay, but we're still excited. Um, and very excited for the burial as well. That sounds incredible. Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. So um all all amazing things. Um, but I think I wanted to just close by asking a little bit more about how you have stated in in our conversation and I think a few others, just how you really, you know, are walking um in the industry in a different way and no longer kind of want to do the dance of the industry. What are you hopeful about? Like what do you hope to find in yourself or in the future as you move at your own pace and kind of do it your own? way what am i hopeful about i yeah i'm very hopeful about the the new voices that are being ushered in uh you know misha green i stay a fan of what that woman does you know for obvious reasons i think she just writes black women women of all kinds honestly in in such a nuanced way i'm excited about you know the voices like uh like a a Maggie Betts, a Ryan Coogler, a Ava DuVernay, Min Hall, who I just worked with, the, the director of Hala. These are voices that are censoring folks who have typically been shut out from the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think the more voices that we usher forward, the more we will have a wider and expanded gaze I am so tired of the cis white male gaze, you know, in this industry. Um, you and me both. And listen, I mean, I, I enjoy the stories. I just am saying it shouldn't, it shouldn't be so dominated. It shouldn't be so one-sided, right? Um, and because I think when you look at an Issa Rae and what she did with with Insecure, I mean, mm -hmm. I, we see we see ourselves in that, that struggle. Okay, like. I, that's, I, I'm just very passionate about these, these voices that aren't waiting for an invitation. 
because honestly, we all benefit from it. We just do, you know, art is so essential. And those of us who, who have the, the real blessing of doing what we do, um, have a real responsibility to just tell the truth. You know, um, it's like the, um, James Baldwin, you know, when he talks about the integrity of an artist, Mm -hmm. right. You know, uh, and he says it is impersonal, you know, this force you didn't ask for this destiny, which you must accept. It's Mm -hmm. also your responsibility. If you survive it, if you don't cheat, if you don't lie, he says, it's not only your glory, your achievement, it's almost only our only hope, right? Because an artist, he says, and only artists have told since we have heard of man, what it is like for anyone who gets to this planet and to survive it. And so I go, artists, we illuminate what it's like to be human, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm very excited about those who understand the responsibility and understand the real honor it is to be an artist. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our producer and editor for this episode is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane, and our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now edit, also known as the Nine edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.